Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans around the world. We're in for a somewhat exciting, not greatly exciting, but a somewhat exciting weekend of boxing. There's really one big fight that's on the radar that I think is worth the time. Most of the other signature fights are going to happen next week. And then May, we've got some good fights on the docket. But we're going to go ahead and break this down. Let me get the particulars out of the way straight up. First off, CombatTalkRadio.net is the site if you want to check us out. And then if you're a fan, I do ask that you share out CombatTalkRadio.net for anybody to follow us on YouTube as we do our coverage right now exclusively on YouTube. There is a point in the future where we will possibly launch a full-on podcast. It's going to depend on those that are following the show. And if that seems like it's something of interest, we want to hear from you. We have a comments box at CombatTalkRadio.net. We want to hear from you if you think that the full podcast would be of interest. As we ramp up what we're doing, we exceeded 500 subscribers on the Boxing Channel. We're not sure why, but we appreciate each and every new subscriber as well as our existing ones. We will continue to do the covers that we're doing. We air every Friday with the fights that are coming up that we think are worth your time. We try to cover all of them, but there's so many different fights, there's nowhere to really know. So we do the best we can, but ultimately we try to isolate the fights that we think are going to get the most for your for your time. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our uh, fight schedule. And then I got some news for you. Of course, the big fight everybody knows about that's happening this weekend. Arguably, it's their undercard is straight trash. <laughs> so this is one. It's crystal clear. The main reason you're watching this is because of the main event. That, of course, is Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King fighting against Dillian White. This is happening out in Wembley in the UK. This, many people feel Dillian White does not have a chance. I am one of those. I don't, I feel like it's a pointless fight. However, Dillian White is the WBC mandatory. He has been for some time now. And so Fury's got to defend it because he took the title from Wilder. He's got to defend the title. Dillian White's the man. I was not impressed with the presser. I felt like it was depressing, frankly, because there was too many jokes and too much smiling and laughing. I said it before that there needs to be some real reason to build the fight. I don't think Tyson Fury did a good job building the fight. I don't think Dillian White did a good job building the fight. So it's going to sell out. It's already sold out actually tickets wise. But as far as the live broadcast, it's going to sell out just because it's dealing with UK fighters who support their own. And this is the long time. I think the last time Tyson Fury fought in the UK was Sephiroth Safiri. That was like four years ago. So this homecoming, I think that's going to draw fans. My point is when you want to get worldwide mainstream, strong exposure, you've got to do the, even if it's manufactured, you got to do the beef. And I think they both failed in that regard. I was very disappointed. It took John Fury to step it up a notch and then they told him to back off and then went back to laughing. It was terrible. So I don't agree with the build for this fight. I think it's I think it's a lost opportunity because you're dealing with a guy in Dillian White that's called out Wilder on a number of occasions. That should have been called out. White has called Dillian White on a multitude of occasions. He's a walking punching bag. None of that came to light. Like I felt like the two of them didn't do hardly anything to really build to convince people this was worth watching this fight. That's my opinion, and I hold to this. On the undercard, which I said is not going to really excite you, Ikoa Sussman, or Essman, sorry, Sussman, Essman, Ikoa Sussman, it's hard to, to pronounce. He's fighting, and 
his it's like a soft touch opponent. Um, there's nothing to really regard. Esselman is an up and coming guy. He's regional at this point. He holds regional titles, but he's somebody he's got people have eyes on him now trying to see where he's going to go next. Um, I would call him a decent, solid fighter. I'm not going to call him this amazing level fighter. He's a decent, solid fighter. I think that because he is, um, because he's been regional, he hasn't got any kind of mainstream exposure. This would arguably be the first time he gets more mainstream exposure. If you followed his career, you know, you'll have to see kind of where he goes from here. But ultimately, I don't know because I've not followed him. I don't know that anything he can do in the fight with the guy he's fighting, which is Darren Tetley. And I don't know anything about Tetley. He's another regional fighter. I don't know that there's anything that this guy could really do that would make him stand out in a crowd, but it's his initial exposure. So if you're going to watch for up and coming guys, I guess there's that. But for me, it doesn't really move the needle. Um, It's an undercard fight. So that's, it is what it is. I just, it feels like it's just a padded undercard, so I'm going to breeze past that. But he's in action if you are aware of him. Isaac Lowe. Isaac Lowe, this is featherweight, by the way. Isaac Lowe, I know very nothing about. I know very little about most of these uh, regional guys. Isaac Lowe is another one that's kind of an up-and-comer. I think the problem with Isaac Lowe is what happened with him in one of his previous fights. His performance wasn't that great. And this is a rebuild fight for him. So in December, he fought a guy, uh, Luis Lopez, I believe it was. He fought a guy, and Luis Lopez's record isn't stellar, but it's certainly better than Isaac's. And Isaac has mostly been, like, I have to call call it like it is. Isaac Lowe strikes me as a one of those journeyman-type fighters. I don't rate him as a fighter. I don't rate him in, you know, him going anywhere is like a pad we're just adding to fill up the roster. Uh, David Adelaide. David Adelaide, I've seen him a couple times. Again, it feels like another pad. feels like we're just kind of throwing people into the undercard. At least with David, he's got a little bit of something to him in terms of eye test. He's kind of an eye test fighter. I don't know that he's going to go very much further in his career because of when he started. I forget how old he is now but I know he started a little bit later and even though he started a little bit later he's only had like you know five or six fights he's not like eye test is there but it feels like he's on the verge like when he steps up in competition he's been fighting the sea level and it feels like the moment he steps up he's gonna take a pretty bad loss and it's gonna be the end of him is my theory I don't have any evidence of that I just get the sense that he's been he's just he started too late and he's been kind of carefully matched and the careful matching doesn't really do you much good because at some point you're going to step up and it's going to expose you and that's not going to be good for his career. So I don't rate him too much. And then of course, the only one that's of any note on the undercard is the return of Tommy Fury. Of course, the big news, Tommy Fury is that he was supposed to be fighting Jake Paul and then Fury backed out claiming he had a rib injury and then, Of course, Jake Paul would go on to fight somebody else, a rematch. With Tommy Fury, people think he ducked Jake Paul. I happen to be one of them because Jake Paul has actively pursued Tommy Fury because Paul knows that he needs to get a real fighter in there. And Tommy Fury is just, I don't want to say bum level, but he's just C-level enough that it gives some boxing legitimacy to Paul to fight him. 
without being a danger because although Tommy Fury has been knocking guys out, it's lesser guys. It's guys that he's supposed to knock out. So he's not like he's this master thing. Now, here's the funny thing about this fight that Fury's about to go. Bosianski, I don't know anything about Bosianski at all. <laughs> um, never heard of the guy. I know nothing about him. But if you heard me on previous, I said that sometimes these guys, they start focusing on other opponents than the guy in front of them. In looking a little bit deeper in Danny Bosianski, I it feels like there's a risk of a potential upset with this, with Tommy Fury here. And people are like, no way. Here's the reason I'm saying this. Number one, it's Tommy Fury has been talking a lot about Jake Paul. Jake Paul wants to sign the fight. I'm ready now. It happened. It is what it is. Let's go ahead and get this done. Why are you avoiding the fight? Why are you doing this? Da, 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 da. Danny Bosianski's record. I'm not going to call Bosianski a bum because I don't know the dude. But this feels to me like it has the potential to be one of those shock upsets where Tommy Fury is made to look average and made to look lesser. He might even lose. Now, he should not lose. Let me be clear. There's no logical reason that Tommy Fury should lose this fight at all. But when guys are looking past the opponent, we start seeing weird stuff happen where some of these, some of these, you know, underdogs pull it out. Bostianski should be a severe underdog just because of he's never like he's never even fought outside of Poland. The guys he's fought have horrible records. There's nothing around this guy. He has been he is the definition of a journeyman. Not only that, but he's been heavily inactive. There's like if I were to put it in percentages, there should be zero chance that Tommy Fury struggles with this guy. He's the definition of a soft touch or what should be. But I'm saying that Fury might be distracted trying to chase down a Jake Paul fight, take the guy lightly, and because this guy knows that he's now on the big stage, he might pull it out against Tommy Fury. Bosianski's coming off a loss. He's coming off a stoppage loss in his most recent fight. So that even adds further to the statistic that he should, Tommy Fury should not struggle with this dude. I expect Tommy Fury to blow him out, and then after blowing him out, possibly by knockout, he'll then go up on the mic and call out Jake Paul and say he's ducking him and all this other stuff. That's what I suspect is going to happen. But once again, when these guys overlook their opponent, weird things start happening. And Tommy Fury is one that's been really distracted by the whole Jake Paul situation. Well, that's his fault. He shouldn't have done the rib injury. Go in there even if you're injured. Guys have gone in injured multiple times. I don't know why he's any different. So I don't know what to tell you other than that. So it is what it is. And that's all happening tomorrow. That's the one card that I see that's happening tomorrow. Today, there's another card. We had some minor fights that happened during the week. I'm not going to cover those. There's a few fights that are happening also today. These are also happening in the United Kingdom at the Echo Arena. I'm not going to spend too much time on these because by the time you get this, they'll probably have started. But if you're just one that can't get you enough of your boxing fix, I'll just talk about them really quick. Paul Butler's making his return. Paul Butler, this is a bantamweight action, by the way. Uh, Paul Butler's one whose name has been kind of out there. I have purposely not followed uh, his career because I didn't see that he was stepping up to enough a degree for me to make it worth the time to actively follow him. That's not saying he's a bum or terrible, da, 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 just I have not seen him step up significantly to where I felt that it was worth uh you know, watching the guy 
on a regular basis. So I went and took a little bit look at the opponent and everything else, try to see what was going on. And I know that his opponent, I have watched, listen, I'm Jonas Sultan. He's promoted by Manny Pacquiao. I'm aware of him from the promotion of Manny Pacquiao because Manny Pacquiao MP promotion says hyped him up as something because he's promoted by Manny Pacquiao. But if I look at, again, records, it's the same thing as what I just said with Tommy Fury. If I look at record, there's even in Paul Butler and what I have not followed of Paul Butler, Paul Butler should walk right through this guy. This is happening for an interim title. So this is a position for guys like Cal Yafai in the future. So there's that, but it's, it, and again, it's not like Sultan's a terrible fighter. He's not a terrible fighter, but every time he stepped up, he's taken a loss with one exception. That was Casemiro back in 2017. Everybody else, every time he stepped up, he's taken a nail. And so, and I'm not saying he's a bum. He's not a bum. He's a decent fighter. It's just that there's levels. I think the levels will come into play or they should. And if I'm, honest about where Paul Butler is as a boxer. We're talking just the skill that I see. I honestly believe he should run straight through um, Mr. Sultan. I could get it wrong on that one. If Sultan is desperate and hungry enough, he could pull out the win. I just don't personally see it. Time will tell. I just, the fight doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, mostly because of Paul Butler. I just, I'm not excited by him as a fighter and his potential he hasn't shown me anything yet that makes it worth the time for me to invest in it as a boxing fan I am I just again it's got to entertain me too you know and then sometimes you get fights like a Ted Cheeseman right that shows up Sam Eggington that shows up I just don't see that in Butler I don't see that in um, anybody of on that card that's happening Jazza Dickens he's going to be in action <clears throat> He's finding a guy named Andoy, excuse me, Andoni, Andoy, Andoni Gago. I have not heard of either guy. I'm not going to do them a disservice, um, but it ties to some news I'm going to cover here later. And then Sam Maxwell, he's in action. Sam Maxwell is a somewhat exciting fighter, somewhat eye test fighter. I wouldn't say he's amazing, but he has eyes on him for his last performances. And he's called out um, numerous fighters to try to step up in class and I give him credit for that he's fighting a, arguably a soft touch I don't hate on him for that he's got to kind of do something to get his name out there so right now he looks like it's a stay busy fight and then he's going to try to call out some upper names so that's fine all that's happening out in the UK as well however these all tie to my news that I'm going to cover here Let, that's all we got as far as the, the weekend today and tomorrow there's very little happening most of the fights are happening next weekend and then the month of May. Let's go ahead and get to some news and I'll wrap this up. I'm happy that there's not much going on. First up, I've got a real big problem I said before with the ring. The ring has jumped Terrence Crawford to be rated number one at welterweight and we know that's garbage because Errol Spence holds three belts in the division. Errol Spence just stopped Jordanus Ugas who beat Crawford in the amateurs. Errol Spence has now wins over five top five welterweights where Crawford only has one and that one was stopped by his father not by him. And But to make it worse, they've rated Boots Ennis at number four, despite Boots not having beaten anybody who was highly ranked. They rate Virgil Ortiz number five, even though Virgil Ortiz has a better resume than Boots Ennis. They rate Keith Thurman number six, even though Keith Thurman, he has wins over two of the top five welterweights 
and he's only ever lost to a pound for pound great. Then they put Stankonia at number seven, even though Stankonia doesn't have any wins against any top. Avanesian at number eight, he's not beating anybody a note and has three losses. Buteyev just took a loss to somebody and has never beaten anybody top, and they ranked him number nine. And then Connor Bennett, number 10. I actually am okay with Connor Bennett, number 10, except that Connor Ben has not consistently campaigned at welterweight. My point is that the ring is, they've lost their, I almost cussed, minds with the ratings of the welterweight division because it's clear they're trying to push a narrative about Spence and Crawford. That's fine if you want to see Spence and Crawford, but we need to be realistic here. Errol Spence holds three of the titles at welterweight. Errol Spence has beaten five top five welterweights. Errol Spence took belts. The belts he has, he took from the champions. He made the point on social media. If we go back, because most of the rating of Crawford right now is based on his 135 and 140, and largely his 140 unification. If we go back and look and analyze the belts that Crawford had at the lesser weight classes, he took belts that were vacant. The only time, there was very few times he took a belt that somebody held. You can count on it one hand. I can, off the top of my head, I remember Ndongo, he took a belt off Ndongo. He took a belt off Jeff Horn. Most of the rest of, like his lineals, those were vacants. He wasn't taking belts from champions. Spence, every title he's held, he has taken from a champion. But he holds three of them, and he holds wins over five top five welterweights. I will say it again, it's not close. Errol Spence is number one in the division right now because of what he's done and what he holds. You can make a case that Crawford is number two now because Ugas lost. So you can make a case that Spence is number one and Crawford's number two. I'm fine with that because Ugas does, does not have a win as far as hand raised over any top five. None of the rest of them do, except for Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman took a loss. He was a top guy, but he took a loss. I'm not a fan of their ratings, and I'm not going to give them the credibility of their ratings. I'm saying in my eyes, Errol Spence is number one because of what he's accomplished at 147 that nobody can touch, and nobody in the past has touched. Crawford, he can make a case, is number two because he beat Sean Porter, even though his dad stopped that. Point is, Crawford gets the win. He got his hand raised on that one. I would say, arguably, Keith Thurman should be number three still because Keith Thurman only has the one loss, and Keith Thurman has beaten two of the top five welterweights. So for me, no, the ratings are garbage, and that's my top three. Spence, then Crawford, and then possibly Keith Thurman. I'm not going off eye test. I'm going off what you've done, what you've accomplished. Now, with this business of these fights, the the big news was that MTK, MTK Global, which was run by Daniel Keenahan. Of course, the United States government has been investigating whether it's this criminal organization and drug running and guns and all this stuff. And then apparently they came out with a ruling and said, nope, this is legit and we're shutting them down. We're going after this dude because we we're had enough of overlooking it. Well, MTK is aligned with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury refused to comment on what was going on on this, but Daniel Keenahan and Tyson Fury have been aligned. MTK have been aligned with Probellum. Probellum is sponsoring many of the fights on this card. MTK is largely the reason why we're here with Tyson Fury and the reason why Tyson Fury was able to get the title shots done that he was able to get done. So now you put all this together and that could be on Tyson Fury's mind. And how does that play into the fight? But also with Probellum and the alignment with Probellum, we don't know how that plays in because many of the fighters that we're seeing, like a lot of these lesser fighters that I talked about, 
Many of them would never get a showcase like this without MTK and without Probellum. This is fact. We know this. And a lot of the UK fighters don't have any other outlet because there's a lot of money thrown at it from MTK and Probellum to get them the exposure so that they can get signed with like top rank or something. So we know that that's a thing. But it got people thinking. How was MTK, if it were, how was MTK involved in what happened with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Did MTK have some part to play in the outcome we saw with, you know, Fury Wilder 3, let's say? Was there something there? Was there something that Fury was was involved with that we didn't know about? Nobody knows. The point is, Tyson Fury got the wins, just that there's now smoke around Fury and his career and his rise. Because remember, the first fight with Fury Wilder went to a draw. I clearly had, clearly had Fury winning that fight. I saw no situation where Deontay Wilder should have got a draw or should have won. In the second fight, Fury just blitzed Wilder and took him out. Tyson Fury had signed with top rank in the middle of all this, but he was still aligned with MTK. Then we start seeing all this smoke with Wilder talking about the gloves and the floppy gloves and all this other stuff. And we didn't, and the judges, right? And we didn't know what the heck's going on. Now people are like, yeah, but Fury is the one who got screwed. I agree with you. The point is now that we're seeing this WBC mandatory with Dillian White and the fact Fury did not want to unify the titles, it gets you thinking, What? how was MTK involved in this negotiation? And how was MTK somehow in the mix or were they in the mix? I'm not going to speculate. I'm saying that there's smoke around that conversation given what happened and the alignment with Tyson Fury. The other big news is Alexander Usyk apparently got stripped of some credentials from the Ukraine. And there was a lot of reasoning that didn't make any sense. Usyk had agreed to go out there and fight to help defend Ukraine. Then it was announced that Usyk was going to go into training because he wanted to fight in the rematch against Anthony Joshua. The reason I was kind of frustrated at seeing this is, of course, Uzik holds all the other titles at heavyweight right now. And the chatter, initial chatter was that Tyson Fury was going to unify with Usyk because that would unify the heavyweight division. And then we can defer the Joshua fight. And then later, let's say if Fury beats Usyk, then Joshua Fury. If Usyk beats Fury and unifies, then you can do the rematch and it's for unification. Usyk then does the announcement that he's going to go and fight overseas. So now we're not going to have the unification and most of the heavyweight belts are held hostage. Well, recently Usyk had said, yeah, I'm going to go into training and I'm going to go ahead and do the rematch with Anthony Joshua. Okay, people are celebrating. But then we hear from the governments out there that Usyk's going to be basically have his credentials taken or his whatever taken. And they were talking about how he's a traitor to this and all this. It's weird. It's the weirdest thing. Check it out if you get a chance. But it seems like somebody turned against him and I don't know if it's because of him wanting to come back and fight, but it just seemed, the timing seems strange. And then you start to think, is that the reason why, is that the real reason Lomachenko doesn't want to come back because he's afraid of being threatened by the government of these sanctions or whatever was happening to Uzik? Did somebody threaten him or whatever? Because initially they were going to have Lomachenko and CM Punk Cambosas you know, fight because, and I think that would have been a better fight than the fight we're going to get, which is Cambosas and Haney. But the Osik situation is really, really odd, really bizarre. Check it out and see what you think on that one. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to think there. So in summary, 
this weekend's not going to be that exciting as far as boxing events. It's more for the international, for the UK crowd, and that's good that they get some boxing events. That's cool. I don't rate any of the guys that are featured. Maybe they'll turn to be something, but I don't rate any of the guys. It feels like the Tyson Fury and Dillian White is really the only reason to dial in, and I, that's one I'm going to just check after the fact because one of two things will happen. Either Fury is distracted because of Daniel Keenahan and he gets clipped with something, but I don't think I don't see a stoppage. And we did see him get you know clipped against all in Volin, so that's possible. And Dillian White, I would argue, is probably a better stopper, but again... And Wilder made the point before, which was that Wilder just got stopped by old Pavekin, 40-year-old Pavekin. So in a, there's no logical reason why Fury should lose this fight. That's my point. But the Keenahan situation, the timing of the Keenahan situation makes it a little bit sketchy, and we have to see what's going to happen there. Other than that, I don't see that it's worth, none of these are worth the live watch of the fights. They're more catch-up after the fact, in my opinion, As a, and I'm a fan, I just... Don't see very much in these events. I'm more interested in the news. I'm more interested in the, what's going on with the Keenahan situation. What's going on with Probellum? What's going to happen there? Um, and then what's going to happen with Usyk? That's, what, that's what's got my eye, personally. And I know it sounds bad, but I'm just it doesn't move the needle for me. So with that, let's get to uh, the next set of fights that's going to come up, at least the ones that we know of, because I think they're going to be more exciting. Next weekend, we've got Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano happening in Madison Square Garden out in New York on DAZN. By the way, the fights I talked about here uh, in the UK, they're going to be on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. So you're not getting it as part of the pay-per-view, or excuse me, the um, ESPN Plus sub. you got to pay-per-view it. Or BT Sport uh, if you're in the UK. So this one, next weekend on DAZN, I think it's a DAZN exclusive. Taylor versus Serrano, that's a huge fight. It's a long time coming. We expect, we expect that Amanda Serrano should take care of Katie Taylor with ease. However, we've seen Katie Taylor get some sketchy decisions before. Don't be surprised if Taylor gets another sketchy decision that nobody agreed with. If I'm going to call that one, I think it goes to a controversial draw and they set up a rematch. That's what my gut tells me. But it's an exciting fight to watch. Taylor Serrano, it's a long time coming and couldn't be happier for both ladies to finally get on the big stage and solve this, you know, settle this and help kind of unify things. Cause we have had a few women standouts and she is certainly one of them. She is an exciting fighter. And I think she's got a lot going in here. And, you know, Katie Taylor has admitted, you know, Serrano's probably one of the best to do it. And she doesn't expect that she's going to have an easy night against Serrano. And trust me, I agree. I 100 agree with this. There was some controversy in this one. And the only reason I'm talking about it now is because the other fights are garbage. There was some controversy. Amanda Serrano said, let's do a 12-round. Let's finally set the stage for a 12-round fight. Katie Taylor ducked it. I'm disappointed that Katie Taylor ducked that because this is one of those fights I think needs 12 rounds so that we can really understand what the heck's going on here. Um, so I don't know what's going on with Katie Taylor. It seems like, I, I wonder if the fight you know, the fight, the person fights, I wonder if they've gotten her sketchy where she's no longer confident and sure of herself because it seems like she's just ducking smoke and doing weird stuff now. And I don't know what that's all about. I have no idea. She's a nice lady, but it just seems like something's going weird where she's all of a sudden not doing what you expect her to do, given her status and the fact she's skilled, but 
It just feels like some, the Persone fights took something out of her. I wonder if we're about to see an, a Corey Spink situation where she's just met her maker and then she's never the same uh, since. Still a fight worth watching. I just, I don't know what the heck's going on with her. On the undercard, of course, the return of Jesse Vargas. He's going to be fighting Liam Smith. Jesse Vargas is one of those stalwarts, you know, kind of the testing. He's like gatekeeper status at this point, but he always comes to fight. He always brings it. He's always going to give you somewhat of an exciting show every time he tries, at least, to give you an exciting show. I think he's going to have his hands full with Liam Smith. I expect, I don't know this 100%, but I expect that with given what Vargas was able to pull out against Humberto Soto, um, and Soto, of course, is a legend. He's a legend, but he was on the decline. He was older and not uh, where he should have been. So we knew that, you know, Soto was, but Soto was game. Soto was, Soto fought, he fought his ass off. And I'm a big fan of Soto, especially after he got screwed by Lorenzo. But given what Vargas is going to pull out against Soto, it tells me that he's still there. Um, Cruz Desern is coming on the undercard as well. Calify is on the undercard as well. And then uh, allegedly, it looks like they're trying to make Oscar Valdez versus uh, Shakur Stevenson on that on uh, ESPN Plus and Sky Sports that same evening. But I want to go through Jesse Vargas again. I want to go back on that. Jesse Vargas, he's he's there. He's fought at the top level long enough, and he's kind of gatekeeper status. However, him being showcased here against Liam Smith feels like they're trying to pass the torch to Liam Smith. Liam Smith's also been on the decline. So I'm calling this out because I think it's a fight to watch and and pay attention to see what's going to happen next at 154. Because I believe whoever wins this fight has an opportunity potentially to go on and at least be in contention for the winner of Charlotte Castaño. That's why I wanted to circle back on it, but I also was covering the rest of them because you've got decent fights on this undercard. Uh, Desern, Kalyafai, and then if, Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson goes. That one's a hell of a fight. Oscar Valdez had his issues. Um, Shakur Stevenson's had his issues beating up people out in the parking lot or something. But Vargas, I think, is the top to pay attention to. See where he goes. See what happens next. Liam Smith's been on the decline. It may be a showcase for Smith. He might pull it out. So next weekend, that's why I said, is going to be a much more exciting set of fights, in my opinion. And then in May, that's where you get the big dogs coming back. You got uh, Canelo, the big dog, pound for pound king, and uh, Bivol fighting, Rovix fighting, uh, Montana Love. I don't really rate him, but I I know he's kind of up and coming. Josh Kelly makes his return. And then we roll into a few low points until we get to Charlo Castaño and then Boots Ennis coming back. And Boots Ennis fighting Castillo Clayton. I'll love to cover that one when it happens. Um because I think it'll be a good test. So that's what we got for our weekend of boxing. Again, not very much exciting this weekend. Everything else is happening in May. So I will check back in with you guys. Again, I'm not going to be watching Fury and, and uh, Dillian White. I just don't have it. I, I don't see the reason, in my opinion, to watch that fight. But I will check back in after with the results and do the analysis once I get a chance to see the fight after the fact. I'll see it after the fact, and then I'll do an update on that one. And then just a quick update on M1. I haven't covered M1 because I ran into some issues. It seems like they're not branding that really well. And I sent a message out to them to see if I can get some updates on that one. So I will be doing the M1 coverage. I just don't know exactly when. 
but it still is on my docket to do that for those that are curious about that. Check in with you guys probably on Sunday. 